This recording is from Fintech Nexus USA, formerly known as Line of Fintech USA, held at the Javits Center in New York City on May 25th to 26, 2022. It's from the track Fintech in 2027, sponsored by MasterCard and is titled Attracting High Demand Talent Must Begin with Fostering Innovation and a Sense of Autonomy. Speaking on the session are Luke Voiles from Square Banking, David Klein from Common Bond with moderator Isabel Friedheim from Athena. Hi, everyone. I'm going to start with a brief introduction of myself. Um, I am Isabel Friedheim. I am the co-founder of the Athena family of SPACs. In our SPACs, we have hired and uh, recruited and partnered with a number of um, highly talented individuals. We've had board members of Citigroup, Comcast, EDA, Aetna, BlackRock, American Airlines, and many others. Uh, and I also co-founded a company that is a fintech company, AI and ML company. So we've had a, a chance to recruit um, many engineers as well. So this is a, a fascinating topic to me. Um, so I am going to pass it on um, before uh, we begin for the two panelists to introduce themselves. Uh, we had a chance to have a conversation before this, and they are both uh, extremely talented and fascinating individuals who have spent a lot of time thinking about um, talent recruiting and talent management in their daily activities. So you are in for a treat, uh, David and Luke. Uh, I'm passing on to Luke first. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Luke Voiles. I'm the GM of Square Banking. I've been at Square for about nine months. Uh, prior to Square, I was at Intuit for five years, building out the, the QuickBooks Capital lending business. Um, and my career before that was all distressed credit, private equity. Um, Hi, everybody. David Klein. Uh, I, I feel like we should all get in a circle right here, drop the mics, and be on the same plane and have a little bit of a workshop. But that, that's what I'll have in my head as we have this, as we have this conversation. Um, David Klein, CEO, co-founder of Common Bond. Common Bond, for a number of years, has been known to be a fintech lender in the student space. Recently, we announced um, going all in on solar financing and other green lending. We launched our solar business about a year ago. Um, we, we really like the growth of that business. We like the impact that we're having. We like the runway that that industry has. Um, and so we're, we're all in there. I'd expect us to get into other, what we call green lending internally. And, and over time, things like uh, electric vehicle financing, things like uh, home improvement financing, particularly for folks looking to green their home. Uh, and so that's what we focus on every day. Very good, thank you. So we had this fascinating prep session where we had um, a chance to discuss one topic that that came up that is mission-based leadership. Um, and that was fascinating. Um, it is something that has changed dramatically in terms of how you have to handle um, this concept of inspiring your employees um, now versus what, what it used to be. So, um, Luke, why don't you um, share more about your uh, mission-based style leadership? Yeah, sure. I think it's it's interesting with my background coming from private equity. Um, that's I've called it this before a coin operated industry, right? People are there out like for themselves, right? When you when you shift into tech, the engineers especially like don't really care about the revenue of the company, right? It's all about who you're there to help. 
Um, I think I think going back to PPP is probably the best way to think about it, right? We were there when all these businesses were failing, and we were like rallied the entire team, like they worked harder than they've ever worked in their entire lives to help save small businesses. Um, and if if you can channel that and then say, hey, look, like every every feature we're launching is actually helping small businesses spend more time with their families. Um, every feature you launch where they can grow their business or, or do other things, it, it's a pretty amazing it's a pretty amazing mindset to have. People just get engaged and excited. Uh, to go to work every day to help people. And so if you look at Block or the parent of Square and Cash App, um, the purpose is economic empowerment. Um, and if you align on that, like with, with Square Banking, our purpose is to make financial services fair, accessible, and inclusive for, for small businesses around the world. Um, and so it's easy to get excited about it. It's easy to get the team excited about it. And if you focus on, on helping your customers every day, um, people are more engaged and more excited to come to work every day. Um, I would just add, and, and just a little bit of context, just so you know who you're hearing from here. So I'm somebody who had a corporate background at McKinsey and Consulting and then over to American Express. And then as founder of Common Bond, um, have been running a company that's had anywhere from one to 100 employees. So what you get from me comes from and of that experience. Um, Luke has a fascinating experience at, at Intuit and now, and now at Square, um, which, which is a different flavor and, and perspective is, as well. Um, you know, all that being said, I think to Isabel's question, uh, the notion of mission-based leadership, while it might sound trite, um, I'd love to kind of bring down to earth a little bit um, with respect to the topic of this conversation, which is how do you attract uh, top-performing talent? And certainly in our experience at, at Common Bond, um, we attract a lot of people through the mission. Uh, who are we? What do we do? How do we do it? The fact that we help so many people save so much money on their student debt and pay off their student debt faster. The fact that we're now putting solar panels on people's homes, which allows them to reduce their monthly electricity bill and reduce their carbon footprint. Oh, and by the way, with a lot of macro, allows homeowners to do their part to generate energy independence, which is becoming more and more important. Those are things people can get around. Those are things that are a lot bigger than than us as any individual or, or team, just so much bigger. And so that has always attracted great talent to us. Uh, and then what we've noticed is that when people come and start interviewing with us, they love our people. Because there's this really nice loop that happens when you attract really strong people to begin with. They're inside the w- with the mission, and then you have wonderful, smart, nice, and hungry is how I put it. Smart, nice, and hungry people inside the company uh, that once they're attracted to you and they start talking to the people inside the firm, they want to start working for you, really working for you. And then our responsibility is once they come on board into the company to continue to foster that. Um, and I'm happy to talk more about how we foster that, but I recognize I'm getting a little long in the tooth here in the answer. What, one thing just to quickly add is the retention component here too. It takes like Facebook or Google like paying 50% more in total compensation to convince someone from a company like Square that has a purpose uh, to leave. So it's, it, it helps you retain talent, even if others are up to, out there overpaying because it's hard to get around an advertising mission sometimes. Um, it, it really helps retain talent too. How do you define a mission and a purpose when you have a boring company? (laughs) And how does that help develop um, that sense of innovation? So I I could go first, I guess. Um, We talked a little bit about this in the the pre-call. So, and you have a great example on on Intuit, by the way. so look, you know, when we first started out, it, it would be really easy to just think about us as a student loan company. Student loans suck. 
and, and they're boring and no one wants to necessarily do anything with student loans. Um, but the way in which we approached it, um, it wasn't about student loans and it never has been about student loans. Uh, when we were focused on it, it was about helping people. Uh, it was about increasing access to education or lowering the cost of education. Higher education is an incredible credence good uh, that once you have helps enable uh, a lot of economic empowerment and climbing up kind of the economic ladder. Um, education is proven to be in many different contexts and many different cultures and many different times to be the thing, uh, the primary thing actually that, that lifts you up uh, socioeconomically. And so that's really powerful. And we were enabling that or increasing access to it or lowering the cost to it. In the case of solar, um, it's even more straight forward, um, particularly right now, and given the, the consumer preferences around reducing uh, carbon footprint and capital deployment preferences in terms of where capital wants to go uh, to sit behind ESG, ESG assets. <clears throat> and so I think any company on the surface could be boring. Um, I also think any company, when deeply thought about what it is that, that you're doing, maybe not any company, but a lot of companies, um, our companies, for example, when you think about what it is that we are not just doing, but enabling out there every single day and the impact that we have, um, it gets pretty exciting to us and our people. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll use the Square example instead of the Intuit example. I can that talk. was a bit of a jab, David, at Intuit. <laughs> What's that? A great example of a boring company. <laughs> oh, oh I, I think I, I loved Luke's answer in, in, in the pre-call. When I think Intuit, I think boring company, but he yeah. convinced me on five minutes, like in, 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 empowering the, the, the people and small business owners of the world. Powering prosperity. Yeah, powering Let's prosperity. Let's focus on I mean. Square. Yeah, so I, like, I think, like, I, so I lead Square Banking now, um, and banking by itself is kind of a boring thing. You think of, like, the small community bank or small town bank like I grew up in Texas right like it's it's these small banks on every corner it doesn't seem like that exciting anything to, to get into but when your mission is to make financial services fair accessible and inclusive and you make 460,000 loans to like serve 460,000 customers an average loan size of $6700 like that's a tons of tiny loans we've deployed 9 billion dollars and 51% of those loans have gone to women owned businesses um, the average FICO score is pretty low. We're serving a, a ton of thin file credit customers because we're using just the credit card data to underwrite them. And so when, when you're effectively like pushing through these barriers and have data to back up the fact that you are actually empowering these, these customers that have never had access anywhere else, it's easy to get excited about. Uh, we are really opening up financial services for customers everywhere. Like Square's original story is exactly the same thing. You're, you're a very, very small merchant and you're not able to go like sign up with a bank or a processor to accept credit cards. So Square's overall innovation originally was just to be the master merchant and sign up a bunch of sub-merchants. You couldn't even do that on the Visa MasterCard like, under, the, under the program rules, right? And so they just didn't, like famously in, in Innovation Stack, it's a book that Jim McKelvey wrote. It's the, the other founder, the non-celebrity blockhead founder of Square. I'll, I'll frame it that way. Um, but he wrote a book called Innovation Stack and they were ex like proud of the fact that um, they didn't have that much domain expertise, and so they pushed the boundaries and figured something out that could actually open up a whole new, um, like the whole swath of the of the customers that were never served before to, to go into it. And like that's the story we just repeated over time. Um, as we add more and more financial services, we do it to these these underserved businesses and sole props, frankly, that just don't have access anywhere else. And that's that part is easy to get excited about. It's hard to get excited about a small town bank and and like a, a, a branch on a corner. But if you frame it the right way, like we, we're here, we're here for a, a real purpose, and it, and it helps. 
And how does fostering innovation um, translate into revenues? Like, how, how, do, how does it trickle down from having a mission to fostering innovation to generating more revenues? Um, I, I can go first on this one. I think, I think the the basis you need is the is the purpose and the mission. People are excited and engaged. You have to give folks the space to innovate, though, right? Like we have single threaded leadership teams here at Square. It's an Amazon. Like Alyssa, who leads Square, came from Amazon. It's very much um, autonomous um, pods building businesses. So I have engineering and product and design all reporting in directly to me, and I have product teams that own the end to end components of lending or checking or savings. Right? They own their components. And from a bottoms-up perspective, they can go experiment and figure out what's next. And so, yes, you have the overall OKRs that that should generally be tied to customer account. Um, And if you're making loans from a customer account perspective, yes, that directly translates into loan volume and then revenue. But if you just focus on the customer account and the people you're helping, like that's the white way. It's just a a way to think about framing every OKR as a customer benefit. More like ignore the investors for a second in your company and think about the customer benefit and focus every OKR on that. We also have hack weeks. Like we give people the space every quarter for a whole week to go build whatever they want, like Cash App. It's a like half of Squares or half of Blocks business now. It came from a hack week project that Brian Grassadoni and a couple of engineers ran with, right? Um, and so we give the teams the space to go innovate and figure out other ways they can help our our customers. And they they're excited about solving customer problems, and they come up with very creative, interesting stuff. Some of it doesn't work from a regulatory or risk perspective, but you dial it back in and you grow the businesses that should scale. Yeah, I would just I would just add one or two things. Um, you know, for us, going back to the topic here, kind of how you attract and retain top talent effectively, um, we like to give our folks a lot of room to run. You know, what direction we go is set by the company, but how we go about landing in that direction is up to our people. And that's the kind of autonomy, that's the kind of empowerment, the space that we give them. I think that's kind of part A. Part B of innovation is there's something to, Luke, what, what you said, and that is we have a number of people who are really smart, really strong first principles thinkers who, who aren't necessarily coming of or from the industry that we're looking to, to help or disrupt in some capacity. And that's been incredibly helpful. Um, I've seen, you know, that combination combination of autonomy with, you know, people thinking in first principles way without kind of legacy thinking getting in the way unlock a lot of value. Now, that's not to say we don't have experts and expertise in different parts of our business. We do. We also have experts and ex- expertise kind of outside of our business that we tap into as well. Um, but I do think that combination of... Um, First, allowing people to run at a problem, kind of empower them to run at the problem, giving them autonomy, uh, and allowing them to use first, first principles thinking unlocks a lot of, of innovation that otherwise wouldn't happen. But isn't it a fine line between um, pro- promoting or giving your employees um, autonomy and freedom and uh, and retention? Because the, the more you give, eventually, um, you know, take the example of the hackathon, they could leave and build their own company. So how how do you create more incentives and and increase retention? I'd argue that if you don't do the hackathon, like you're not scratching that itch for your employees. Like they can go work on exciting new creative things and stay within a, a company that is safer, like Square. Right. If you don't do that, you risk them working on that project on the side and competing with you the next day. Right. It's it's a 
I think it's a balance. Like here, we, we trust our employees to go build and do things for our customers, and they love it. And so we're gonna we're gonna give them the space to go hack and build stuff. It's just easier and faster to grow something like that within a in a corp within a corporation. Brian Grassadonia, who did that hack hack week project, now runs half of half of Block, right? Um, for people to be able to see that kind of path within the company, it's it's a pretty exciting thing to do, right? Yeah, completely agree. I wonder how you take those to other sectors, like the banking industry, for example. I mean, like I think the, the balance that's the hard part is the we, we operate in such a highly regulated, highly risky market. Square and Block and and like TBD and Spiral are are blockchain Bitcoin bets are one of those very interesting problems, right? Like we're building a, a small business bank, like every feature of a small business checking account and bank within the confines of the traditional financial services sector, right? We have a bank, we have an ILC. Um, and so figuring out how to bridge that to these like futuristic bets that Jack is really focused on with, with Bitcoin, blockchain, Lightning Network, like that's, that's why it's so cool to work at a company like Block. You, you can have these amazing futuristic bets that may or may not compete with you or may let you disintermediate one of our sponsors here. <laughs> I hate to say that. Um, but um, that, like, that's the nature of where we're at. Like it's exciting to work at a place where there's all this Futuristic, cool stuff happening. Like it's just it's like the square, the brand of what Jack has built is pretty amazing. And and if the question is, hey, if you're a, a community bank somewhere, right? Um, how do you attract and retain top talent? How do you foster innovation? Um, you know, if I was running uh, a community bank, um, I would do the following things. One, I would go deep and understand, and, and un- I would go deep to understand where we're truly having impact in the community that we were serving. I would elevate that in terms of the mission-based leadership that we were talking about before. Um, I would get out into various communities online and offline and talk about that as a way to increase kind of the employer brand. I would internally make sure that my tech stack was modern. I'd make sure that I'd be hiring the right people to get it in shape. I would share with those people our, our mission. I would share with them how far we have to go and I would share with them that they're gonna be critical to making that a success. You know, one of the things that um, we we haven't talked about, well, we've talked about it, but haven't named it, and that's purpose. People at the end of the day want purpose. They want autonomy and they want purpose. Top talent does anyway. Um, and so while we've talked a little bit about autonomy, right, we kind of set the direction and let people run, um, I, I think purpose is so incredibly important. So if I was, you know, running a bank, um, it would start with purpose mission, um, it would then internally go to, okay, what does the best practice kind of organization and technology look like? And I would start bringing great people into that um, and, and build something similar to what we have culture-wise at, at Common Bond. So the shorter way to say that is just hire David to run it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is fascinating. It goes to show that um, true transformation and a true turnaround starts with that mission, the purpose, and managing people. Uh, one last question. Um, what, um, what is the untapped potential that you're seeing in your organizations? How can you continue to innovate yourself with regards to uh, inspiring your talents? 
I mean, I think it's figuring out the right balance between that. Like here, 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 here's the vision that we've set up for this business, like five years out, like that can be top down or you get alignment of the whole team on that. You have OKRs are going to get you there and head in that direction. All this stuff can happen on the edge. It's not in the annual plan. And so you give the teams the space to go do a hack week project on the side and, and like continue to spend 10%. Like some of the engineers on some of our teams are spending 10 or 15% of their time on hack week projects from a year ago or two years ago. Like they're, their, their managers are giving them the space to go do that. And so it's, there's not, I know some companies have like 20% of your time can be spent on whatever you want type of policy. We don't have that at Square, um, but it happens organically where managers let their teams work on certain things. And if I'm excited about something and, and we talk about it a lot, it's easier to give the team the space to go do that, even though we don't explicitly account for it in the annual plan, for example. What I would just add is um, it's so important to find out what energizes people. Uh, because it's that energy that's going to ultimately drive the innovation and the need to power through inevitable struggle and dead ends. So why do I say that? I say all that because we think a lot about how do we energize the troops kind of at the company level? How do we energize our leaders, our hiring managers? And then how do we enable them to energize their people? Um, and this is why mission is so important too, because when we do something that's bigger than ourselves, you can find a lot of energy behind, you know, reducing carbon footprint in 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 the in the on the globe in the globe. Um, you can find a lot of energy around kind of giving people a lot of autonomy to go run at something. And so for us, it's all about we kind of know we kind of know what to do, how to do it. The the constant struggle is how do we make sure that we're doing it consistently, broadly across the organization. And, and for that, we have a lot of process and systems in place. I was in a two-hour meeting yesterday with all of our people leaders heading into kind of mid-year review, talking about, you know, not just exactly what goes into mid-year review, but why each of these pieces are important. And for as much as you all might think our heads are in the cloud based on this conversation, uh, you know, we're talking about mission and purpose and autonomy, all these big kind of heady concepts. Meanwhile, all of you, ourselves included, care a lot about revenue and profit and financial sustainability and how do we bridge the gap between the two. <clears throat> and the way we do it is through process and systems on a daily basis where we are connecting mission and purpose to uh, to performance. Um, and so in a two-hour conversation yesterday with a team about, you know, getting very tactical about every single individual uh, on the team has two or three goals and making sure that the first two to three bullets of mid-year review and end of year are about those two to three goals and making a determination as leader whether they're green, yellow, or red. And if they're green, talking about what they need to do in the next step along their journey that helps them professionally but also helps the company deliver their gold. And if it's yellow or red, really getting them on the right track in kind of an up or out kind of way. So there, there's a lot that happens inside the company at a very tactical level that is not just about the mission, but is, is tied to moving the company forward and driving financial sustainability of, of the company. I think that's important to add as we're having this kind of conversation. I mean, it, I, like, I think we're probably close to out of time, but like as you scale, as you become a 5,000, 10,000 person company, like that layer of like HR process of just training leaders and investing in leadership and making sure people understand what a good OKR looks like and what a good goal for a single individual employee looks like, that goes a long way to making sure you have a healthy culture as a baseline too. So purpose-driven or mission-driven plus like plus those leadership um, layers of, of process really actually go a long way to make all this work. 
Um, and some like into it as a case study and, and leadership training. Um, there are other companies like startups usually grow into that over a 10 or 15 year period. It can take a long time. If you hire the right head of HR, you can get there, but it, it takes a long time to build that muscle across your entire executive level and the folks below them and the folks below them. It takes a long time and you have to really invest. This is fascinating, and you're both very thoughtful about how you approach this. Um, we ran out of time in our practice session. We ran out of time here. Uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation another time and to seeing the results of all these initiatives that you're implementing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.